Welcome everybody. We're here we're out in a panel discussion of experiences of four ex-service women. We're going to aim to capture some important lessons to help others going through some difficult times. So I'm Candice Carroll and I was in the Navy for nine years as a communicator and yeah, that's, that's me. I'm going to go to Katie Kilpatrick. Hi, thanks Candice. My name is Katie. I was a soldier in the Army for 11 years in Ordnance Corps. Thank you Katie and I'm Catherine Jackman. I was a nursing officer in the Army for 11 years, both in the regular Army and the Reserves and uh, my main area of specialty was intensive care. And my name is Rowena Langan and I'm ex-Air Force. I was in the Air Force for nine years, first as an EDP op and then as a CISCON. Lovely. Well today we're going to talk about three questions so we're going to start off with one and we'll just go through so we're gonna I'm just gonna put this out to the, to the ladies so reflections on your experience as a female in defense so who would like to well I might jump in uh, so it's Catherine and uh, I was a little bit unusual in the space of being a nurse a female nurse in the army um, in particular in the um, Darwin sort of Northern Territory area and I did find that there was some uh, misogynistic tendencies or I felt that anyway yeah. and uh, there was a protective layer and then there so, so there were people who were quite protective and then there were people who thought that uh, it was actually okay to say disparaging remarks and comments um, to to females in general yeah so I found that um un a distasteful yep. but um then what was wonderful was the uh protective nature of some of the guys who who stepped in and also of some of the women who actually oh, stepped wonderful. up yep. and spoke up about those comments and would um you know not tolerate that wonderful so this is Katie. I joined the army when I was 17 years old and was posted up to council for the first six years of my military career and it was a very interesting times and very much like Catherine was saying, you had supporters of females but you also had those that challenged them. I was lucky in ordinance call females had been around for a number of years before I certainly joined um, and that did help. I found on the majority of cases, the supervisors, um, my senior NCOs were quite supportive and treated us the same. Sometimes it was more my peers and fellow soldiers and potentially some of the Lance Corporals or Corporals that were probably the ones that had the issues. And I think, to be honest, it was because of their immaturity and my own immaturity yeah. at that age as well. And as uh, we all matured, it became more accepted. Where I did find some of the challenges of being a female was on promotion courses, especially where it's your all core courses so it was certainly made very clear on my subject one for corporal course why would they waste spaces by putting females on it so I just to be honest quite bluntly told them if it wasn't for females being able to support those calls um, they would be the ones having to sit behind a desk some of the times or cooking the food or doing other activities which yeah. they didn't take too too much yeah. but again as people matured with their own life experiences and experiences in the army I did find that they did improve with their attitudes. So yeah. that was my um, my experience. Okay. My name's Rowena, um, so nine years in the Air Force. I did find that through training, I, I don't, I think the Air Force was slightly different maybe to the, uh, certainly to the Army, I'm not sure about the Navy. I experienced both of those things, but not as intensely. And in fact, there was seemed to be more male support. Uh, it felt that certainly the musterings 
were you had designated. So uh, the musterings that I went into seemed to, seemed to have more females in one, certainly back then in the 80s. So I didn't really come across chauvinism or anything like that. So I don't know whether that was because of the mustering that I went into, whether it was because it was everybody seemed to be um, on an equal footing because of the mustering that you went into. So I'm, uh, I'm probably a little bit different from that kind of thing. Certainly not to say that it didn't happen, but again, more on training courses and things like that. So yeah. exercises, that's when, that's when there was a difference in you were a woman, you probably couldn't do that. Uh, so you did have to prove yourself a little bit more, i.e. on the range. So you could go out there and, yeah. and shoot better and do be- things better than, than some of the men. And then they'd either respect you or they'd either um, make your life a little bit difficult. Yeah. Mm. Well, see, I joined the Navy as a 17-year-old. So I was a little bit naive, but also um, I had to grow up quite quickly. So I found it uh, actually quite mixed. I had, you know, I had a lot of support, but then again I also had that pressure that I had to be, like, have a tough exterior. I had to, you know, you know, if people, like, people sort of, how do I put it, um, expected of things of you and you, you had to just do it. Like, there was no questions asked or anything like that. Or um, if they spoke to you in a certain way, you just had to take that. So, especially as 17, you, know, you kind of, you do, you, you get really, really tough quickly um, and... You didn't question anything. So and that's where I found it a little bit hard because it was more – and I, for that, my peers sort of helped me along but there were certain people who made it quite difficult, um, especially on the ships because, you know, it's still you – know, it's very male-dominated and you, you had certain – it's not everybody. It was just certain people who still had those values of women were not to be on ships and so they made you know, your life a little bit harder – um, but, you know, as I said, you had to build your tough exterior and just keep going and brush, you know, all those negative comments off. Um, and you do get some support from, you know, your other female, um, you know, sailors and things like that. So I found it challenging at first and then I sort of built my hard exterior and I just sort of learnt to push negative comments to the side and just push forward. So that was... Candace, I'm wondering if I can share a story that really stands out for me. Yes, that absolutely. I uh, recalled and it was when I was probably 22 and I was stationed up at One Basby, which became One Sisby in the Northern Territory. And we went on a road trip and one of the uh, orders was not to park the vehicles, not to stop in towns. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as you can imagine, going from the the Townsville through to Darwin it's a very very long trip and um, there's not too many towns and in my definition of a town is is you know a city not a um, a one petrol station sort of um, small uh, a few gatherings uh, but that that was a town in the major's uh, mind and anyway so I pulled over my packet of vehicles in that um, very very small town so that I could um, have a rest stop because there was a toilet facility there and I crossed the road to go to the toilet all my um, the medics did as well and uh, and sure enough this uh, major came by and in his uh, in his vehicle and he pulled over and he said what 
the hell do you think you're doing? I said, oh, I've just uh, pulled over so that we can have a stop, uh, the toilet stop, sir. And he was extremely rude and he just uh, yelled at me. And he said, how dare you break orders? You weren't allowed to stop in the middle of in the town. Um, you, and, and it just went on for quite some time, this beration yeah. of me. And, uh, and he was senior and, and uh, you know, intimidating, extremely intimidating. You know, get back in your vehicle and all this sort of um, uh, just uncalled for tone and language. Anyway, I got back into the vehicle thinking I'd done the worst thing in the whole entire world and uh, at uh, the end of the day he called me up in front of the entire company uh, and he said I want to get everyone to look here come up this way Lieutenant Jackman I'm going to tell everyone exactly what you did and he berated me in front of it had to be over 100 people oh my Lord. and he stepped, he was within one metre, which would be unacceptable in COVID times, let me tell you. <laughs> and I could feel the spittle of his, um, as he was expressing his anger at me and I couldn't say anything because I was a, jun- I was a lieutenant, yeah. he was a major and uh, he was at me. And he, as you can ap- imagine, these, these um, majors, they... Uh, you know, gesticulated with their uh, their hands and they um, swore and they said, how dare I? And I broke rules and I broke orders and uh, rah, rah, rah. And it was a warrant officer, and I always remember his name, Warren Officer Jovic, who stepped in front of the major between the major and I and he said, that's enough, sir, that's enough. And from that day on, I remembered to myself... I will always stand up for someone who is in a situation where they are getting um, intimidated, and and uh, and I I want I'd love to find him and thank him for that because that was a really turning huge. point for you. It was, yeah. yeah. So there were there were men who made my life hell, but there were men who were just fantastic as well. KJ, do you mind if I ask? Because um, what you've described is very up in town so as well I am um, he was not a very good soldier it took me a little while to learn how to play the game a bit can I ask you do you feel that occurred because you were a female or do you or could it do you feel maybe it was worse because you're a female and he felt that he was able to intimidate and bully you that way or do you feel he may have acted the same way if a male had done that I have no doubt in my mind that it was because I was female okay. I, I think yeah. that and and the character of this man was um, in, intimidating for me at, at every encounter that I had and I believe he was looking for an excuse to um, intimidate me and he would have been one of those bullies at school you know and give us give someone a title give them a, a bit of rank and have yeah. that power differential and they become extremely powerful and uh, if I was the person I am now back then, and boy, I wish I had a time machine because <laughs> it would not end well for that gentleman, let me tell you. Thank and you for sharing that. If you do that. get a time machine, I would like to see that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Look, let's move on to the next one. I want to see any reflections on your experience as a female transitioning out of defence and how how that went for you. Was that Was it impactful? Did you find it quite easy? Um, did you, especially with lining up a new position as well, um, and ha- you know your experience on that? Um, I'll start my transition. Um, it's K 
Katie, the army soldier, um, was it probably a little bit different. I was offered a role as a civilian peacekeeper with the United Nations. So I went straight from defence, packing up my house or my married quarter at the time, throwing it all in storage and moving overseas for 18 months. So I didn't actually feel my transition was then. I skipped the usual defence transition anyway. I think I did one day of the old resettlement course and didn't take a whole lot in, to be honest. Um, they started talking about super and languages that just made no sense to me, remembering yeah. I joined when I was 17 years old. I think my transition for me came back when I came back from the UN. Whilst I was in the UN, it was still very institutionalised. So it was yep. great. They feed you, there's cafeterias, they tell you what to do. Then I came back and I had to go and find a normal job. So, And that's when I suddenly felt very alone. I knew what I did in the army. I knew I was good at it. I knew there was transferable skills. But how on earth do you even write that on a resume yep. or a CV or try and convert that to language speak? And I would have applied for so many jobs at like just doing basic, basic jobs and just not nothing. I, I was very lucky that someone, I applied for a temporary role with the government, a three-month role, and the person on the other end was ex-military. And they were able to understand what my resume read and took me on and gave me an opportunity. So I'm so grateful for that person. It was only yeah. a three-month role, but I'm just grateful that that right time, right place, someone was there Absolutely. and then who could guide me but I didn't know of any other organisation out there. I did not know where to turn basically. I'd felt I'd already left the army and I didn't deserve to go back and look for any defence support because I'd put that aside and I felt that I chose to leave at that time when I didn't. I didn't feel I had the right to go back and ask for any support. So I truly did feel like I was on my own for did a while. Did you feel like you, you had that available to you though or did you kind of feel that, oh, I've left defence, they won't want to help me in... in Finding employment? Probably a little bit of both. I didn't know what was available at all to go and do that. I'm normally yep. fairly resourceful, but yep. probably Google wasn't a big thing back then. Not that I'm that old. <laughs> but um, also, I, I because I felt I had left on my own terms yep. and I'd left and to another job, I didn't have that right anymore to go and seek any assistance. Um, that was probably the main part. But in the end, I was lucky enough. That role led to another role and... Yeah, I've been fortunate enough since then. But at that time, no, I yeah. had no idea what else was available. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was a little bit lucky. It's Catherine here because I had a, uh, a registered nurse. Um, uh, so I was a registered nurse and was able to quite easily find employment after the um, after leaving the regular army. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't find that component difficult. But what I didn't realise was how important the connection is after leaving the Defence Force. I had no idea of the resources that actually were available for people transitioning out. Um, I transitioned into the Army Reserve and um, uh, only through this program actually that I've just completed uh, today have I realised how many ex-service organisations there are and how many people want veterans but and I particularly feel um, uh, passionate about empowering women, uh, women veterans, to um, to live the best life they can. And how you can tap into those is through contacts. And just as you said, Katie, you didn't get that break except for a, a veteran. And so how can we tap into that community? Uh, that excites and motivates me. Yeah. So it's Rowena here. I had a probably completely different experience to all of you. I, there was nothing out there. 
you discharged uh, and you were you had maybe one maybe two days and that was it you were on your own wow okay uh, so you had to go and figure out how to find a job you had to figure out how to write your resume you just had to hopefully you knew someone uh, there was limited help um, either financial understanding financials as I said it was a one day transitional discharge there you go no help with getting courses no help with figuring out where you fitted into actually into civilian life so very much on my own um, and you just winged it and that's that's it's only recently uh, that I think the defence force is starting to recognise the fact that not only women but defence members are struggling generally to fit into civilian society. So they're actually really looking at wow, how do we actually how do we make this happen? What what organisations are out there? What can we do to help? Um, I do think it's still more difficult for women who have been in the defence who are trans- transitioning out because they may have families, they may have other family commitments, and I don't think that's taken into account as as um, as much as it could be thank you Rowena um so it's Candice here when I got out it was a bit different because I, w- I discharged in 2015 so there was a lot more available for us so they had the transition seminars um and you also had in some places uh like a case manager who would help you transition uh so I had all that available to me and then obviously I went through um getting my claim like a claim through so I kind of had that support there but I know it's very different to for some people who I've spoken to who have gotten out and not you know gone through the claim area and they said that um, they went to the transition seminar they've got some help but then after it had finished and they were discharged it kind of just swamped them and they didn't really know what to, where to go from there and it they come all too hard so you know, I guess each person has a different experience on on their transition. Um, I also know now, um, I've been out for about five years, so I do know now that there is so much more available to us, but at the time, I guess I was very narrow because I didn't know what was available. Um, that's sort of counter, you know, what I've just said, but I mean, I, I thought I knew when, when, when I got the transition seminar that, oh, yes, I, I know what's available to me. But then when I sort of sat down to it, I kind of reflected on it and went, oh, I don't really know where to go from here. Yeah. So, so I know now what ex-service organisations are out there and that young veterans have an employment program where they can get someone, um, you, you come in and they, they sit you down and they go through what you, you know, what... Um, write a resume with you and then they can help direct you to employment. So I, I wasn't familiar with that at the time um, and I guess that would be quite helpful in writing a resume and things like that. So I think sometimes we take in, whether it be seminars or conferences even, we take in things that we relate to. Mm-hmm. And when you're on the verge of discharging, you don't necessarily know what you're going to need to know at that time and it's only after you've discharged after you've finished all of that that you turn around and go and then realize what you don't know and realize then that you might need that information but at that time and there's a lot there's more and more information coming available you don't know what you don't know so it's hard to let it all sink in isn't it and you're thinking about transitioning you're thinking about discharging you're not you're really not understanding the impact of what it's going to be like when you're actually a civilian 
that's you re- true. You really don't until yeah. you're actually out there in the civilian world going, I actually really don't know what I should be doing. Like that very first time when you need to go to a civilian doctor and you realise you don't even have a Medicare card and you don't know how to get yeah. a Medicare card. <laughs> I must and have missed that part yeah. of the transition. <laughs> but it's good to know now, you know, coming off of um, a team on a, a team or Awakening program, what we just done, um, and the information we got today that people who have been out for a little while out of defence and are in that ex-service world that, you know, RSL and young veterans are working together to help get us back in there and employed. So and they work with us, not against us. So that's that's important to know that as well. So Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think some people, who certainly who I've spoken to, don't feel that they deserve any assistance. They don't feel that they've done anything to actually tap into any of those defence organisations or um, put in a claim, oh, no, it's not too serious or or whatnot. And I would just really encourage anyone who's listening to absolutely seek that information out because you are worth it and you are valued, you are important and every part of your, every moment of service that you did matters. And if there was any negative impact at all, during the service or potentially after the service, it's extremely important that you come and seek help or at least start a conversation. Yes, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. Look, there's one last question I just want to ask you. Do you feel there is a lot of help or support for veteran women outside of defence? Candice, it's Katie. Um, What you alluded to before, I certainly would answer that question differently now than what I would have done about six hours ago today. Um, For the listeners who weren't with us all day, we were lucky enough to have an audience with um, members from RSL Queensland, um, the state branch, as well as a number of other ESOs. And it was quite heartwarming to see, even though everyone has a different role to play, my takeaway from that is there is a lot of people out there who want to support veterans. And there are a lot, a lot of ESOs and some of them are specifically for women. There is the Women's Veterans Network Association. Um, They are on Facebook, so feel free to log on and have a look. And that is specifically for women veterans. And they um, are across the country as well. So definitely a fantastic resource. There is also, yeah, and I would encourage people, it's um, RSL Queensland's website does have a list of ESOs and there are a lot out there. Just from this program alone, I've learned that there are ESOs to do with surfing, which I wasn't even aware of. And that's across all genders. I know women who've been in the military that love surfing and my fellow three lovely ladies here were all out in the surf this week. (laughs) So there are a lot of ESOs. If you're not familiar with them, I encourage you to take the time to have a look because there's bound to be one that will resonate with someone. But it's amazing how much support there is out there these days. It's it blew my mind today. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, I just want to sort of... Rowena, do you want to throw in there? No? Um, look, I just want to end with if anybody listening to us who resonates with um, what we've discussed today, um, if you can make contact with Veterans Care Association by email at support at veteranscare.com.au or you can go onto our website at www.veteranscare.com.au. Um, reach out to us if, you're, if you need some questions answered or um, you've got any concerns or queries. Um, we'd be happy to sort of 
help you through this. So thank you for listening to us. Great. And thank you for having us, Candice. Thank you, Candice. That was fantastic. Thank Thank you. you.